Welcome to the Shut Up Show. This is the Brave Solopreneurs Podcast helping you shut up and make shit happen. Inside every episode, you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day despite being scared shitless. You'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears, tactical advice to help you define your shut up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. And now, your hosts and co-shut-uppers of making shit happen, Bernie Shung and Phil Gerbyshack. Hey, what's up everyone? Shut up show time. Episode number 4 billion or something like that. I'm not good at counting. Neither is Bernie, so who cares? How are you everyone? We're delighted today to have Meme Fox on the air with us today. What's up? What's up? <laughs> and uh, we're so happy that Bernie is also, again, my lovely co-host and wonderful friend. Hello, Bernie. How are you, dear? Hey, Phil. I am so absolutely overjoyed to have May May here to kind of preface our conversation today. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, cool. Well, hopefully you're going to tell us why we're so delighted. And May May, where are you today? I'm in Los Angeles. Cool. It looks green there, though. I'm up, I'm up in Topanga. I live in the canyon, and it's where uh, the hippies live. We have coyotes and deer and bunnies, and uh, we're kind of away from the, the fray of the city, which I think is the only way to survive this place. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Well, yeah. cool. We're so grateful you're here. So, Bernie, I'm going to turn it over to you for the usual stalkingly wonderful <laughs> Of course, of course. And those who have watched the Shut Up show, everybody knows I stalk all of my guests. May May, you probably didn't know that, but it doesn't matter because I've already stalked you for like 40 plus days prior to this. Right. <laughs> so thank you for being a part of the show. So you're, you're not wondering at all why we brought you on because I already told you, I asked you. Um, so what the guests don't know is that May May actually is a writer and author among many other amazing things but how I stumbled upon her was a blog post that she wrote quite a bit ago uh, my friend actually who Phil and I both know from the Milwaukee area his name is Karee Pennebaker um, he was like every day he was posting something he was doing something crazy and weird and there was like images and tweets and I'm like what is this cat doing and when he got done with his 40-day journey he said you know Bernie it was such an amazing time I want you to see this blog post that was written about me and oh by the way here's the author of the whole reason why I even went on that journey at all so I'm gonna let you talk about it in a second but what I'll tell everybody is then I said Karee that is so freaking awesome. I want to do that too. He's like, let's do it. When do you want to start? I said, let's start tomorrow. He goes, okay, give me a couple days, Bernie. <laughs> so, so that was Wednesday. We started on the next Monday. And then, Mamie, you and I became acquainted. And then I went on my 40-day journey of 40 ways to find joy in my life. And so I brought you on this, not knowing really your whole full story, but I knew if there's if this lady's writing about ways to find joy, I'm pretty sure there were some pretty dark moments in her past that maybe joy helped her to get through that. Totally. So with that long introduction, please, please give us a brief introduction about you know who you are, what you do today, and then the genesis of that 40 Ways to Find Joy blog post that went viral on Huffington Post. Okay, sure. Well, I just want to start by saying you were amazing, and um, if, if any of you have a chance to go check out Bernie's blog, 
uh, she wrote a blog post every single day for 40 days about what she was doing for joy and it was awesome and so inspiring to me and to many of my followers so um, go check that out too so um, let's see well I've been a professional writer um, I'm an author a co-author and ghostwriter and freelance editor of many nonfiction books in the domain of health wellness and spirituality um, I've co-authored two New York Times bestsellers, Bend Not Break with Ping Fu, which is a memoir, a really inspirational story about resilience and um, overcoming all odds, and also Fortitude with Sarah Brokaw, which is a book about women turning 40 and all the issues we face, um, which came about at a very apropos moment in my life when I was about to turn 40. So, um, those are two of my books. I've worked on many others. I post a blog about weekly for Huffington Post, and I also work as a life coach, helping people overcome their stumbling blocks and get to their dreams. So that's just a little bit about me. Wow! I turned 40 this year, so I'm going to check out your book. Yay! That's so cool. Um, yeah, it's kind of targeted at women, Phil. I don't know how much you'll get out of it, but you're welcome to read it. <laughs> well, I'll at least take a look, and I'll just I'll, okay, great. I'll tell Bernie what it's all about. <laughs> okay, okay. She's young. She's like 14, so don't <laughs> right. oh, stop it. She's got a long way to go until she crosses that hurdle. I know. <laughs> so, so um, just to kind of like let's let's take a step back um, because it's awesome all the amazing stuff you do. Obviously, it wasn't overnight success. All of a sudden, you showed up being a coach, you showed up being an author, you showed up being a writer, and you know everything about joy and happiness, right? So, so kind of take us through, um, and maybe we start with that blog post that we were talking about. Wh where did that come from? Uh, why joy? Why does that matter? And uh, maybe take us through some, some, you know, maybe a pivotal point in your life where you felt like, okay, joy was one of the things I did to overcome some of that adversity and challenge that I had. Absolutely. Um, well, the post, you know, came about, I've been following a lot of this happiness research, the Happiness Project blog, all these books on happiness, and the problem that I have with happiness is that I feel like it implies some kind of permanent state. Like, once you reach happy, then you're not sad anymore, and you're not frustrated anymore, and you're not depressed anymore, and one of the ways in which I've really come to um, find uh, more happiness and more joy is by realizing that everything is impermanent and everything's temporary. So, you know, your feelings, your experiences, they're going to come and go. And you're going to have, you know, good moments and bad moments. And in fact, um, one of my favorite poets, Khalil Gibran, in the book The Prophet, if you've ever heard of that, talks about how, you know, we really can't have joy unless we have sorrow. So um, I think going through suffering and hardship in my life, without a doubt, got me to where I am today. Uh, so I'm, I'd be happy to talk about that because um, joy for me is is far more attainable as a goal. I really think we can all set out to have a moment of joy every day, no matter what's going on for us. And that joy might be it might be really ecstatic joy, like you know having a great great meal with a best friend, or you know rolling on the floor laughing with a kid about something so silly. But it might be something you know much much um, quieter and more introspective, like like having a meditative moment of just taking in nature, um, you know, looking at a beautiful flower, having a moment with our pet. So um, those are all ways that I feel like we can tap into joy, and I feel it's very doable and attainable to say I'm going to find joy every single day, no matter what's going on. So that's kind of how I reached that 40 Days of Joy blog. Um, where I came from in my own life is I really spent the last decade, so my entire 30s, um, uh, 
you know, started out with like this kind of nosedive for me in my own life, um, where I, I have to admit, like things had, had actually been pretty easy for me my whole life. Um, I, I have a really loving family. I, I had a good life, very upper, upper middle class background. I went to great schools. Um, you know, I got, I had success in kind of achieving whatever goals I set out to achieve. I published my first book at 26, um, and I got married when I was 26, and, and things seemed to be going great. And then at 30, things began to fall apart. My, my own marriage started to fall apart. I got divorced when I was 32. Uh, I never thought I would be divorced. Um, it was it was a huge deal for me, feeling like an utter failure, and also knowing that that failure was very public was hard for me because I was taught in my family to always put on a good face, and you know it's all about appearances and it's all about you know looking happy and looking successful no matter what's going on inside. And suddenly I was like, well, everybody knows I'm getting divorced. Like I can't hide this. Um, so I felt really ashamed and I felt. Um, uh, quite devastated, and at the same time, um, my family of origin was going through a crisis. My my parents were splitting up, and my father was actually convicted of a crime that had him put under house arrest for three months. So everything fell to pieces, <laughs> and I was left standing there and going, "Well, what do I have left?" And uh, you know, it was years and years of work uh, on myself. So I really turned inward and said, "You know, what can I do?" to kind of um, create a new uh, identity for myself that isn't based on outward appearances and that's based on what's real and true for me. And so I, I did meditation, I did yoga, I did a yoga teacher training, um, I read a ton of spiritual books and poetry, I went to psychotherapy, I did retreats, <laughs> um, I just did about everything that I could think of that was kind of healthy and nurturing. Um, to find a way back into myself. And what I discovered at the end of that journey is that, you know, outward appearances don't matter at all, that failure was the best thing that ever happened to me, and that I emerged on the other side of that a far more compassionate person with great empathy for everybody's struggles and a great deal of humility in realizing that I wasn't as in control and as much of a badass as I thought I was. <laughs> And uh, also a real understanding that um, no matter what's going on, uh, what matters is love. Uh, so I have this mantra, fear less, love more, because you know my friends were there for me. My family was there for me. Uh, they didn't care if I was a failure. They didn't care what I screwed up on. You know, they were 100% standing behind me. And so it was really about those connections with the people that I loved and being authentic and being vulnerable. So those are just some of the lessons that I came out of that journey with. You know, that that's so beautiful, Maymay, because sometimes uh, when we're on the outside looking in at somebody else's life and success, we think, like, like you said, you're like, well, I didn't have a really tough life. Things were easy. Things were great. Um, and people assume that that means that you've never struggled or that you've never worked a day in your life and that some people get it easy and others are faced with challenge. And, and you and I and even Phil, we can all agree that everybody, is faced with challenge. Everybody at some point or another in their life is going to have, you know, a deep nosedive into into a depression or into failure or whatnot, right? But it's about it's about getting out of that. So let me ask you, um, if you don't mind answering, how how long did it take you from the moment where you like just hit rock bottom to 
finding that, you know, breaking through to the other side and finding the courage. Well, I think, you know, what's so important to me about the joy journey and 40 Days of Joy and all that was that even in the those really dark moments when I was crying every day and, and I would just find myself, like, literally, you know, riding the Muni, which is the, the public transit system in San Francisco, like, crying in the middle of a train filled with people and being like, whoa, what is going on? Um, but even in those moments, I could find joy. I could tap into joy um, every single day. So for me, uh, a really vital element was yoga. I just, I'm, I'm a, I call myself a yogaholic. Um, I've been practicing for over a decade. And just getting myself to the yoga studio, no matter what state I was in, I would find after an hour and a half that I left feeling lighter and happier and just connected to my body and knowing, like, okay. I'm going to get through this. There is another side, you know, and it, it, I may not be there yet, but I can see it out there on the horizon. So I think, I think you know, every day I found ways to tap into that or, or like I said, just hanging out with friends um, or, you know, going to see a movie and whatever it was. Every day I would find something that brought a smile to my face. But overall, I would say the journey, you know, really like coming back into myself um, and redefining myself was years. It was like five years of solid work and a lot of ups and downs. Okay, so so the so the overnight success was a five plus year journey, right? <laughs> of, da of daily practice. <laughs> a daily practice for five years. Yes. Uh, that's yeah. fantastic, you know, and, and you said a word in there that I know that uh, is intriguing to both Phil and me. Uh, Mimi, I don't know if you saw it, but Phil and I had a post go viral uh, just a few days ago. One of our most recent episodes, we did a backstage episode with just Phil and me, and we talked about depression, downsizing, and divorce. <laughs> Love it! Oh my yes. gosh, I'm going to so look at that the minute I get off <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it couldn't be more timely and relevant what you brought up. So, Phil, I'm sure you have a bunch of questions for Maymay, but I would really love for us to kind of tap into those D words. Yeah. The D sure. words. Yeah, right? D words. Tough one. So first, I, I, I love that you said that happiness is not a permanent state. Because, so, like, okay, so I'm a pretty positive person. Most people think... I'm like Captain Positive, but I can tell you, I look every day for one little piece of joy. I just might not share all the crap that I that I feel is in my heart, right? Sometimes it sucks, but yeah. really, you know, I don't. I just don't always share that. So I think that's really inspiring that you, you remind us that we can find even a little nugget of joy in a day. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so like Bernie said, uh, my divorce was final last Monday. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So this is very timely for me. And it's wow. interesting that it's joy because my favorite color is yellow, and metaphysically, yellow is joy. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's that's fascinating to me. That's, that's interesting, and I don't believe in coincidence. I think hmm. everything happens for a reason. We yeah. come to where we are on purpose to share our life and our story with others. And, and I guess maybe it's a question, maybe it's not, but who did you... Who did you find solace in? I mean, you you mentioned you were inside, mm -hmm. kind of doing your yoga and connecting with you. But I'm curious, were there other authors? I mean, did you just focus on Khalil Gibran? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's oh, yeah. he's that's a really strong person, no I've doubt. So I've so so many. Um, let me see. Where can I even start? Um, so I'm kind of a. a I, I, you know, I grew up Christian. I but I've worked on a couple of Buddhism books and. Uh, 
I so I'm kind of a like a I'm spiritual, but I don't subscribe to any particular religion. But I've really found a great deal of comfort in some of the Sufi mystics. I love the poetry of Hafiz and of Rumi. Um, they are exceptional. I keep their books on my bedside table. I pull out the book of poetry. I open it to a random page and read one of their poems, and it always just has a message that inspires me. Um, that's about love and open-heartedness and surrender and faith and hope, uh, and they're just so beautiful. I also really love um, a, a famous Jubu, Jewish Buddhist spiritual leader of um, uh, a center up in Northern California, so I used to live right near there, called Spirit Rock, and his name is Jack Cornfield. Um, he's written some exceptional books. I read a book called A Path with Heart that I cannot recommend highly enough and it did come at a moment in my life I know you guys talk a lot about taking off on the solopreneur and the entrepreneur path um, it came in a moment where I was like oh my gosh am I really gonna go on with this writing thing like when am I gonna get a real job and I read that book and I was like no this is it this is Never. my yeah, I'm already there like this is my life um, so that's an amazing book uh, I also love another um, American Buddhist, Pima Chandran. She has a book called When Things Fall Apart. I love that book. I, I read that book every day. <laughs> Kurt Rosengren recommended her to me, and it's Kurt's birthday today, so that's very cool. Kurt has been a guest on our show. Yeah, that recently so he cool. was just on too, and he's a passion catalyst. Yeah. So. <laughs> wow. I love that, passion catalyst. That's yeah, we'll connect, we'll connect you to Kurt. It's his birthday today, so happy birthday, buddy. Happy birthday. Well, sorry, but uh, yeah, so Pima Chodron for sure, yeah, because I haven't meditated. I'm working Whoa. on it. I'm oh, trying well, let me talk to you about meditation. Yeah, it is good stuff, and, and it's like one of those things that I feel like I spent years resisting and being like, oh, I'm not a meditator. Like, my mind is going a million miles an hour all the time. Okay, right. And then I would sit and I would like look at my watch and I would get all antsy. So what I did is I said, you know what, to heck with it, I'm doing meditation boot camp. I signed up for a 10-day silent Vipassana <laughs> meditation retreat. You, have, you can't read, you can't write, you can't listen to music, you can't exercise. All you do is sit 14 hours a day every day for 10 days. That's prison! And it was. It was prison except you can leave anytime you want. <laughs> And there's really amazing food, <laughs> but I loved it. It was the most challenging experience of my life. I thought I was going to vomit the first day. I'm not kidding. I almost puked on the meditation hall carpet. I was so nervous. And uh, I really uh, hated it, and I was miserable for four days. And then on the fourth day, I had a moment of peace where I, my mind slowed down, and I was like, what just happened? Like an hour went by like that, and and I started sobbing. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I felt like I'd been given the greatest gift of my whole life to have that moment of peace and silence in my own mind. And then by day eight, I was like having these ecstatic religious experiences where I was like connecting with all beings and just feeling this immense sense of how we're all interconnected. So anyway, I really, I really recommend it. I, I've got, I've done three Vipassana retreats now, and uh, meditation I feel is like just a really terrific way of um, understanding our brains and realizing that actually we do have more control over our thoughts. I, I often like to say we have 
less control than we like, but more power than we know. So it's like we have a lot less control over day-to-day -day events and stuff happens to us, like people break up with us and we lose jobs and, you know, shitty stuff happens to us. But we have a lot of power and our power comes not in, in, in what happens but in how we react to what happens, you know? Like what is our response to what happens? So are we going to take that and are we going to, you know, get angry um, or shut down or shut people out or are we going to use what happens to us that's hard and difficult to break open and reach out more and be more vulnerable, be more courageous and more loving. And that's really where our power comes from. So I feel like meditation is this amazing, it's like, you know, we do physical exercise to get our muscles stronger, you do meditation to make your brain stronger. And it just gives you this, this power over your own brain to say like, I don't need that fear. I don't need, you know, that's not serving me. That critical voice isn't serving me, that angry voice isn't serving me. And so I can change it. I can change my mind. And by changing your mind, you can change your life. Wow. So that's so the crappy stuff often can be the fuel that propels us forward in totally. the right stuff that we need. I mean, what else does? You know, Jung, who I've also done a lot of reading of, of Carl Jung and, and uh, did a master's in um, counseling psychology, it, and he says that, you know, nobody goes on this path of, of you know, enlightenment, if you want to call it that, or like, you know, this, this, this path of trying to personally transform ourselves by choice. We all get thrown into it, you know? And I think that's so true. Like, if you kind of look around at the people in your life, I think they're often the people who are most, you know, um, authentic, passionate on their path. It's because they've gone through some really hard stuff. And, uh, and then they figured out, oh, um, there's a better way to go about this. Yeah, for sure. That, well, again, that's the no accidents path, right? That's yes. the fact. That's why we get that. And I, I think you talked about these self-help books, and, and it's funny, right? We look outside ourselves when often the help is, is inside, and I think they're really not self-help, but really self-empowerment books. They're yeah. books that give us the strength to help ourselves when, when we need it. Now, not that there's anything wrong with getting outside help, but I, I think that's interesting that that's, that's how we classify them. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I got plenty of help from the outside, too. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. So, Bernie, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to end up capitalizing this whole thing because I could talk all day about this. No, stuff. don't be sorry. I'm so excited. You're excited. Yeah. Um, May, may I'll kind of, I'll kind of tell you a little bit of uh, what happens when we bring guests on, and if it's somebody that I know, I usually prep Phil about who we're bringing on, and I'll send him a quick bio. And uh, please, please don't kill me for saying this, but I said we're bringing on Mei Mei Fox, and she's so spiritual and so amazing, but not in the woo woo way. <laughs> okay. And and I and you know even for those who are a little woo woo, you know what? That's their prerogative. I think that's super super awesome. But but it, it's but that's how I feel about you because I think what ends up happening kind of bringing this conversation back full circle I think people including myself and it sounds like both of you too we resist we resist this whole being still right embracing ourselves looking inward and you know I get teased all the time I, I get I get put on a radio show uh, every couple of months and I'm, I'm the resident life coach is what they call it and he's like oh life coach you know and he teases me about it because it's like What's all this love yourself? And the thing is, even I laugh at myself that my advice is to look inward and center yourself and find the love before you can go out into the world and ask people to love you back. So, so if we if we kind of stay on this topic for a little bit, Maymay, um, first of all, why do we resist 
this whole being centered, being whole, and learning more about how to embrace who we are um, as individuals, and then kind of take us through maybe how you broke through some of that resistance when you started. That's a great question, Bernie. Um, you know, there are two things. One is, you know, I feel for women in particular, um, I think we're given this message from a very young age that to think about ourselves or put ourselves first is selfish, right? And so there's this whole, you know, there's this whole thing, and, and I think a lot of people from the outside who can look at the kind of spiritual woo-woo people, you know, and be like, but that's so selfish. Like, you're just, you're going and doing meditation and yoga retreats, and like, it's all about me, me, me. And what I had to realize through, you know, kind of falling to pieces and falling apart was that if I didn't put myself back together, I wasn't going to be able to help anybody else. You know, it, it had to start with me. And I don't think I could get to that point until I... I absolutely had to. When I was in crisis, there was no choice. Like, it was either put myself back together or absolutely fall apart. So I, I had to spend those years of doing the work to get myself to a better place. But, but I absolutely found on the other side of that journey is I have so much to offer and so much to share. And that's why, you know, I started blogging about this stuff and I started life coaching because I was like, I want to help other people see that this, this path of selfishness is really fundamentally about being selfless. And even the Dalai Lama says that. You know, he's like, you got to start with yourself. So I think that's one reason we resist it. I think the second reason we resist it is because it's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's much easier to plop down at night and turn the TV on than to sit down and meditate for half an hour. Like, all of this stuff is hard. Therapy's hard. You know, meditation's hard. It's, it's a lot of work. It's scary. You have to confront your shadow side. I mean, I really love what Jung says about, Carl Jung, about we all have a shadow. You know, there is no light without dark. Um, and so it's easy for us to want to push that shadow away. And some of the ways in which we do that are by, you know, mostly by just distracting ourselves. And, man, I love technology. As you know, Bernie, I'm like, blogging, tweeting, Facebooking, oh yeah, but you know, wow, it's like we can distract ourselves constantly. We don't even have to spend five minutes standing in line at the post office anymore. We can be distracted all the time, you know? So I think we have to make even more of an intentional, conscious choice to get away from the distractions. And then, of course, there are other ways, you know, there's, you know, the, the obvious destructive path that we can travel down of alcoholism or drug addiction or sex addiction or, you know, food addiction or whatever it is to just, you know, kind of bury our wounds um, under these things that are comforting, but it's all temporary, right? And the second that it wears off or it goes away, you're back with you. So, you know, in the end, what are you going to be left with? You're going to be left with yourself. Um, I just saw the movie Gravity. Have you guys seen that yet? I want to see it. I haven't oh, seen it. my gosh. I saw it in 3D IMAX, and whoa. I mean, it was Amazing. Anyway, I totally recommend this because my experience of that film was like the most spiritual movie that I've seen in a long time where it really forces you to confront that idea that, you know, Sandra Bullock's out there in space by herself, but fundamentally, you know, we're all, we're all alone on this journey. I mean, we have friends. It's so important to connect. But in the end, you know, like when we face our death, it's going to be us looking at ourselves and our life and saying, what did I do with my life, right? And, and there's no one else to share that with us in the end. And so I think, you know, if we can kind of force ourselves to face that every day, it's terrifying. But it, it really, it really, you know, it kind of gives us that kick in the pants of like, 
well, where am I going to be when I'm at that moment? You know, am I, am I going to be happy with, with what I've done? Am I going to be content and fulfilled? Am I going to feel like I made the most of every precious day? Um, and so I think that can be a motivator to, to dive in and do the hard work. Right, right. And what's so intriguing about what you just said, Maymay, is we've had uh, close to 50 entrepreneurs or, or small business owners and, and creative uh, people on our show. And the majority of them, if not all, said the same thing. They said, my biggest fear is dying and knowing that I didn't leave some kind of a contribution. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right. So, so if we can attach ourselves to a greater purpose or a greater, greater mission, then the fear of failure isn't so great, so long as you executed what it was that you wanted to accomplish while you were here. It's so true. And that fear of failure, you know, which I think is powerful, um, you know, for me too, like I said, I kind of had to be forced. I was, fa I failed. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, so I failed. So now what does that mean? And, uh, you know, what I realized is, uh, like nobody else really cares, actually. Right. <laughs> like in a good way, I mean. Like they're all kind of like, um, all right. So you know, pick yourself up and get going again. <laughs> nobody was actually judging me for it as much as I was judging myself. So I right. think fear of failure. It's like you, you've got to kind of come to terms with like, like, like your entrepreneur friends have said. Like maybe I'm gonna fail, and in the end, if I do fail, you know, it's really, it's really just like. At least I tried, you know. And what's the worst that can happen? Like it's it's a disaster, and then you start over again. Um, but at least you tried. And I know I would much rather look back in my life and say, you know, I gave it my best shot than I was too scared to even jump off that cliff. Right. That's fantastic, Mamie. Phil. <laughs> wow. wow. So this is funny. I mean, this is, this is seriously coming like at right the perfect oh. time. I mean, we could oh, we plan this better. I, it, it, so, uh, you know, I, I often tell folks, and I, and I tell myself this too, that, it, that if we don't take care of ourselves, right, if we don't fill our own bucket, we have nothing to give anybody else. Yeah. So that's, that was a really, really strong reminder. But let's talk a little bit about that that fear of the crap, right? Sometimes you, you mentioned how usually it's we're hardest on ourselves, but why is that? What, how, what kind of, how does that manifest itself for you, man? Maybe what kind of fear do you get when you think about, oh, crap, this didn't work or whatever? Well, I mean, there's very real fears, right? Like, I mean, there's a fear of running out of money and not having health insurance. I mean, like those, I don't want to make it sound like these are all abstract because there are concrete, real fears. And I think anybody who's embarking on the entrepreneur path, um, you know, I'm I don't consider myself as much of an entrepreneur as more of a creative. But you know, it's it is scary, and it does require a certain degree of faith. And I think what you've got to know is that, yay for Obamacare. <laughs> Sorry for the political plug, but at least now we can get health insurance as freelancers I and mean, that used to be the excuse that seriously like I'm not kidding 90% of my coaching clients were like I can't leave my job because I need health insurance mm -hmm. um, so at least that hurdle is being overcome um, and then you know in terms of income I think what you've got to kind of do is you know you don't want to be irresponsible you don't want to be financially responsible like there does need to be some planning that goes into it you need to think about like okay am I gonna do I have a few months of savings you know how am I gonna make this work like Go into it with a plan, and but also know that in the end, if you fail and you run out of money, you can always 
go work at Starbucks, you know? <laughs> or like I, I I tell my coaching clients that too. I'm like, you could always go be a waiter or a waitress or work at Starbucks. Like there are options that are out there. So 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 that's like kind of the the actual concrete, you know, um, physical needs. Uh, and then in terms of emotionally, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm lucky in a way that I thrive on a certain degree of anxiety. And so what I really encourage you to do is like, and I do this with myself, is to not always view, you know, fear as an enemy. Like it, it you can also welcome it in, um, just like that beautiful Rumi poem, uh, This Human Being is a Guest House. I don't know if you've ever read that, but he talks about this human being as a guest house. We need to welcome all of the emotions in, even anger, even despair. They may be clearing the way for some new joy to arrive. And I really believe that's true. So if we can welcome the fear and say, okay, so here's the fear. Here's what I'm going to do to take care of it. I do have my ways of taking care of it by doing my financial planning, making my business plan, setting up my contingencies. At the same time, knowing that you know, a little bit of fear and anxiety can, can be a really terrific motivator. Um, that's what I find in my own life. So when I start to run out of money, it kicks me into high gear <laughs> in terms of, you know, writing and pitching projects and, you know, getting out there and t get tapping into my network. Whereas, like, if I just was sitting on a huge trust fund, I could see myself getting quite complacent at times. So, you know, I feel lucky that I don't have that giant financial cushion. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's. I'll just add real quick. We we had a guest who's also our friend um, on the show. His name is Greg Hartle, and he does a project called Ten Dollars and a Laptop, where he gave away everything, and he left to Whoa. another city that he had no idea anything about. Nobody, he couldn't use his current connections, and he all he had was ten dollars in his pocket and his laptop, and he had to rebuild his life from scratch. Uh, two and a half years later, he has built a couple of businesses. He's rebuilt his life. He finally has an apartment again. He's making money again. Super, super smart guy. But he said a quote that reminds me of what you just said right there. And he said, uh, constraints make you creative. Yes. I love that. I'm writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And, you know, and then the other thing is I always remind myself, like, you know, bottom line is, um, and, and you know, I'm really lucky, like I said, to have an incredibly loving and supportive family, um, but also friends. Like, so, like, they're always going to be there for me. So, you know, I've, I've got that network, too, that's like a safety net that I know I can fall back on if I really need to go move into my best friend's basement in Portland. Yeah, you know, so which, which is... Oh, sorry, Phil. I was just no, gonna say. I was just gonna say it's super smart because because far too often we give we have people who give you the advice of you know create the the financial safety net, save you know two years of your income before you go. But what about create a community, create friendships, create partnerships, collaborate, like have this you know abundance of people around you who can help you to be more resourceful and whatnot. I never hear people telling you to do that in a book. <laughs> so. I'm so glad you brought that up, Bernie, because like I really feel like one of my greatest assets right now is my network and people like you, you know, where I feel like, you know, you know, you you read my blog, then we started tweeting each other, now I'm on your show. And now it's like we have this amazing connection and I can help you spread the word on your stuff and yep. vice versa. And yeah, so it's like virtual connections, real connections, so, so valuable. I mean I think I couldn't be doing anything that I do without a community to support me. Right. I love it. Well, Phil, 
I think it's at that time. We first talked about the D word, but I think we have to talk about the F word now. Yeah, we got to talk. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. Well, we did have Eric Napolitano on the show, so that's the other F word. Yeah, that's we'll a whole different F word. <laughs> right? But uh, we will be talking about the fear word. So, so Maymay, right now, you've probably got some projects that you're working on and maybe mm -hmm. some stuff. But what what's keeping you up at night? What's what's What are you afraid of now? And how can we or the community here, because now you're part of us. Setup show. So, how can we help with anything you're working on? Well, you know, I definitely um, I took the plunge this last year into the world of fiction. So, my husband's a, a, a filmmaker, and he's written a bunch of screenplays and sold them all, and worked on short films and and commercials and stuff. And he goes, "Let's write together, and let's write a screenplay and a novel." And I have to tell you, my fear came up like, "Whoa!" And it was, you know, all of these stories that I just started going through my head. I'm not a fiction writer. I don't know how to write fiction. I've never taken fiction writing classes. I didn't major in, in English and, or creative writing in college. You know, da, 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 excuses, excuses, excuses. And I resisted for a year. For a year, he worked on me and was like, if you can write someone else's memoir, you can write fiction. <laughs> So I've taken the plunge, but it is, it's really challenging, and what I find my biggest obstacle is my own self-doubt of just saying, like, can I do this? Am I good enough? You know, um, gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, this is going to be crap. No one's going to read this. <laughs> and, uh, and it's been great. I'm so lucky. I feel like I'm so lucky that my partner, my writing partner is also my husband, is, is also my creative partner, and has ended up really being a life coach to me because he just keeps saying, you know, you're making up excuses. None of that is true. You can write. You're a writer. Write. So he's kind of shoved me into that. So um, I would love all of your support in in cheerleading me on as I go through that process. And I'd love to be able to reach out when uh, the first thing is, is done. We're looking for funding right now for a TV series that's kind of like uh, Twin Peaks meets X-Files. Cool. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. That's what I'm doing these days. That's so cool. Well, we're so glad you're here. So last question is, an, is a softball here. Where do we find you, Maymay? How can we connect with you more? Obviously on Twitter we see at Maymay Fox, but where else? Where can we get more of your awesome? Yeah, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Google+, Plus, uh, LinkedIn. I'm, a, I'm Maymay Fox. I'm the one and only Maymay Fox. <laughs> have a very unique name, so you can find me everywhere. And then on Huffington Post, the easiest way to find me is just to search for Maymay Fox as well. And I'd love to see you anywhere, and feel free to comment and contribute to my conversation, because Bernie certainly has. Absolutely. Heck yeah, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> One of yeah. these days, I'm going to get Phil to do the 40 Days of Joy with me the next I go around. Is. Okay, Phil? Are you in, Phil? I love it. I'll do it. We're going to challenge our viewers to that, too. When oh, I would love them, that. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Do that. Yeah. 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 We'll have right a 40-day challenge for the Shut Up Show viewers, and maybe we'll give away yeah. some cool stuff, too. I would so. love to participate in that. I'll be a cool. part of it. I'll do it with you guys. Woohoo! Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Thank you for bringing us joy today, Mimi. You Thank you. And I'm us. so glad to know about your show and be a fan of your show. So. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Thank you, Bernie. Anything you want to wrap up with, dear? No, just it, it was absolutely, like I said, I had a feeling uh, we were going to be even more overjoyed getting to meet her um, in yeah. video. So thank you so much, Mimi. Such a pleasure. All right. Thank you, guys. Take care.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Shut Up Show. And remember, if you don't want to miss a single episode, simply go to our website at theshutupshow.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Until next time, folks, shut up and make shit happen.